Hello, my name is Liam McEwen from The Big Lead. Welcome to the Press Pass Podcast. With us today, we have Haley O'Shaughnessy from The Ringer. Haley, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Liam. Oh, it is my pleasure. As always, we start with uh, just, Haley, how about you just give us a kind of a general overview of how when you first realized that you kind of wanted to do sports journalism and how you ended up where you are now as an NBA culture writer at The Ringer. <laughs> Journalism is so kind of you to label me. Um, I always knew I wanted to be a writer, even though my dad pushed really hard for me to be a doctor. That one kind of, I broke his heart very early with that one. Um, I have always loved sports. Uh, my you know, earliest memories are obviously with the Louisville Cardinals, the greatest basketball team on earth. Um, but I remember following certain players to the league uh, you know, at first I was a very casual fan in, you know, my early years in high school, but I remember when Kevin Durant went to the league, I watched every single game and I thought, you know, I, that's when I started to notice that the NBA was actually a lot of fun and the narrative didn't change as much uh, with players and the athleticism was just wild. So college basketball still has a huge place in my heart but the NBA is a very different type of basketball and I became obsessed and I never stopped being obsessed and because I grew up such a big college basketball fan it kind of helped me that I decided to do NBA and that you know all of my internships and job let me do NBA because I didn't have a particular team so um, you know the journalism thing is like you're not supposed to root for anyone and obviously at the ringer that's not necessarily true um but you know it helped because i kind of wanted to watch the entire league all the time yeah that makes complete sense yeah. did you uh did you do any like did, when you were doing internships and earlier jobs were they traditional like newspaper writing or was it more sort of on the digital side uh, my my uh journey through internships was very odd um i had advice very early on um, because we didn't have a journalism major at Louisville to just study whatever I wanted and then try to do internships on the side. So I think the first one I did was, um, oh, this website called College Spun. Um, and I forget if I applied, if I reached out to them or if they reached out to me, but they just let me write whatever I wanted about Louisville. So that was very fun. Um, yeah. Please nobody dig up those articles. <laughs> I can't imagine. Um, but, you know, I was given a lot of opportunity there. And then I believe after that I did ESPN radio, the local Louisville one at 680. Um, and that, you know, if you're someone younger who's listening to that, this, uh, I just went in there one day and said, can I be your intern? And they said, we don't have an internship. And I just kind of hung out in there every day until they started calling me their intern. Um, so, you know, just be very bothersome, but kind of polite. Um, I don't know, bring them donuts or just, you know, be a pleasant presence. Um, and then after that, I caught a lucky break and interned with PTI in DC. Um, I'm still not sure how that happened. Uh, and that was wonderful. The people there are wonderful. Um, not that the other internships weren't wonderful. Of course they were, but they really opened a lot of doors for me. They let me pitch ideas. And obviously that is all TV production, but in the mornings we would go through and talk about the biggest stories and they included me in that. So that was like very encouraging for me to find a voice and 
kind of pinpoint what stories are important and what professionals like that are interested in. Uh, and then I returned to school and I did a Sports Illustrated internship um, for, they used to have Campus Rush. It was like a extension of Sports Illustrated that they let um, a student do at every school. And that was also just really incredible. And I grew a lot there and the editors were very patient with me and that I, I did actually some real reporting, mm-hmm. which I was not. I had no experience in it at all. And this was like my senior year of college. So never too late. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so I mean, they kind of all built off of each other. It was, you know, something where I was bothering them to, it was a startup website to something I was bothering them to do. And then, you know, a TV show that didn't really align with writing, but, you know, connections really helped me get the Sports Illustrated thing. So, I mean, you can really start anywhere, but uh, my internships were all just extremely lucky. Uh, I still look back and don't know how they all happened, but a lot of luck, but also a lot of persistence. And I think if you're familiar with me at all, the biggest thing is just to be annoying. (laughs) Yeah, I think a combination of luck and persistence would uh, pretty much nail down to a T what it's like to try to make it in the journalism world. Yes, definitely. How'd you end up at The Ringer? Uh, that's also, you know, I think that built off of the Sports Illustrated thing. I think when they were starting out, um, they were just trying to find young people and I was actually approached first and it's funny cause like I was applying everywhere. I was just, I had graduated college a semester early and I was a server at a steakhouse in Kentucky and, you know, applying to like newspapers in Iowa and you know, just everywhere. And nobody was emailing me back. Um, and then the ringer emailed me out of the blue. And again, somehow I got that internship. Um, and I started there in August, three years ago. Yeah, well, that's the, uh, that's the luck part, I would say. Um, so obviously, you know, ringer is, I mean, Personally, I'm a big fan of The Ringer, and I think it's a great website, but as somebody who, you know, works there, I think it'd be interesting just to ask, what is your personal favorite part about being a writer for The Ringer? Uh, I think they just, you know, they will listen to any weird or bizarre pitch that I have. So, I mean, I could point out a dozen things that I don't know anyone who would let me write, and yet they've, you know, given me the green light to reimagine the NBA if everything that Stephen A reported really happened <laughs> or, you know, like things like that. They, they've given me like a pass on things. And uh, I did an NBA dictionary the other day, um, a modern NBA dictionary. So there's just certain things where it's not something that is traditional newspaper journalism. And that's actually really what I enjoy. So that's definitely it. You know, they just really give you room to let your personality come through in your writing. Yeah, absolutely. All right. That's quite the story, quite a winding path, but you do end up kind of where you're meant to be. I suppose. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Also, I have a tendency to ramble. So <laughs> if it's a long path, I'm going to tell you all about it. Well, I'm glad to hear about it. But we will now shift on to the uh, NBA aspect. Well, I'll just ask you some general questions, but I do want to start as a uh, intense Louisville fan. Who is the one player to watch on their basketball team this year? Well, Okay, first, Liam, we've got to go through this. It's pronounced Louisville. Louisville. My apologies. 
I'm from Boston, cool. so unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. If you're really from there, if you really want people to, to know that you're an ally, you go, you cut out the middle syllable and you say Louisville. But oh. You don't have to do that. No one's expecting you to do that. I, I, uh, the players yeah. watch. <laughs> Sorry, just, go ahead. I like to try to, you know, surprise people. So next time I meet somebody from Louisville, Louisville. Yeah, I got it. Louisville. Yeah, that's that is perfect. You did a very good job. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so the player to watch is definitely Jordan Nora. He is definitely the star of the team this year, although it's been really fun to see what Chris Mack has been doing um, with the team. You know, everything is different for so long. We had Rick Pitino, and it was the same system. He recruited the same type of, type of guys, and you know, you had much success with it, but it's been fun to see something else. Um, Nora is a forward. He was considering going to the league. Um, he is in his third year, and he's he's got to be averaging over 20 points this season. Um, he can shoot the three ball. It's really remarkable. I think he takes he probably takes like four or five a game. You know, it'd be really nice if I had this pulled up. <laughs> <laughs> but he is definitely the guy to watch. He's extremely exciting, extremely athletic, and yeah, I recommend that. He's also this is very much a Patino thing. He's from New York, so there's still some Patino, um, not influence, but some some of Patino is left behind. So that's nice. Yeah, it's, it's he. His presence tend to linger. That usually what happens when larger than life figures leave their uh, leave their home. <laughs> um, That's very true. Very true. So moving on to regular NBA, I was reading an article of yours recently, and you mentioned that uh, one of your NBA conspiracies is that the Spurs intentionally turned the air conditioning off in the 2014 Finals to give LeBron cramps. Right. So I'm curious, <laughs> is that your favorite NBA conspiracy, or do you have a better? <laughs> Oh, my God. I mean, the ping pong balls has got to be number one for everyone, right? Um, There was also the Paul Pierce conspiracy with the wheelchair. I'm sure you're familiar with that. Um, Although it was proven recently to not be a conspiracy. I really recommend everyone Googling that. Um, The Spurs one is more malicious. I'm still out. I'm not sure whether I believe it or not, uh, because you have to wonder – who knew that he was going to get cramps from that? Like who did they, were they also dehydrating him at the same time? Um, and also like what kind of, who would be in charge of turning off the air conditioning? There's no way pop was like, Hey, like to his executives, like, okay, we should definitely turn off the air conditioning. Cause he's <laughs> going to know the other athletes better than anyone. And then that would have to go up to like the stadium people, the operations. And so that would, that's a lot. That's definitely a lot of work. Um, to do that but it is very interesting to think about and I like all LeBron related conspiracies because I like all LeBron you know everything that LeBron does I'm a huge LeBron fan he's definitely one of the reasons that I followed the league way closely Um, what else is there oh definitely Marcus Morris playing as Marquise Morris in (laughs) game two of the 2017 Eastern Conference semifinals that is really fun. And that is a game that I've rewatched many times because I'm fascinated by that. Um, there's the darker one of MJ being poisoned. Was it poisoned or like, I don't remember during the flu game. Um, I'd like that's to think dark. that I mean, I if that, that happened, that's extremely dark. If that happens, then like the flu game is even more impressive. Significantly. I would uh, say. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I think mostly, though, the the ping pong balls has got to be the best one. Because yeah. that extends past David Stern. I mean, that and, like, you can – I mean, you can see it. Like, a lot of the times the narrative really, like, lines up. So that's, that's definitely one of my favorite ones for sure. Absolutely. Um, who – so obviously, you know, you mentioned LeBron James. You previously mentioned Kevin Durant. Big superstars, but who is your favorite non-superstar to watch in the NBA this year, if you have one? Hmm, that's interesting. Uh, I always love watching Patrick Beverly. Um, mm. I actually really like the guys who are so annoying on defense. Um, I love Marcus Smart. I wrote about him recently. Uh, who else? That is not a superstar. I mean, are we still calling Pascal Siakam not a superstar? Maybe that'll change as this podcast ages, but yeah, I mean, I love watching him. He's another guy who's great on defense. His offense came later, but I mean, he has, he grew so much last year and he's already growing again this year. So that's really impressive. I'm hoping he has like a Giannis trajectory, but obviously like Giannis light. I'm not saying that he would amount to that, but you know, Giannis has gotten better every year and it really seems like Pascal has the same tools to do the same I mean, I actually wrote about this recently, but he has most improved player odds again. There's never been a back-to-back most improved player um, award winner, although that seems kind of obvious because it might be like a dig at the voters. Like, they didn't really know what they were doing the first time. <laughs> um, but he also has MVP odds. I think on Halloween, he was 40-1, to 1, and he started the season 100-1. to 1. And uh, I think if he continues, especially if Lowry and Ibaka, like, you know, have injuries through the season, um, you know, they played a long postseason last year, and he continues to, like, have these numbers and carry the team and his shooting, which unfortunately was a little rough during the Clippers. But, I, I mean, it's much improved. The things that he needed to improve last year, perhaps not turnover so much. Um are already improved this year. So maybe if he can carry a team, I don't know. Like maybe his odds will get even better. Maybe he'll be on the bubble, but I love watching him. He's so much fun. Yeah. If he can still, I mean, he shot, he was only making one, three a year or one, three a game last year. And now he's making three, but at the same, like on seven attempts or something, same clip. It's pretty remarkable. And he's not stuck in the corner anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although that corner three was deadly. He was, he, that, that was like one of my favorite shots that the Raptors would take. The Siakam corner three. Yep. It's a classic. All right. So one last NBA question for you. Let's say you're you're home, you're hanging out, you're just having dinner or whatever, and you flip on league pass. Who's the first team that comes to mind that you're like, I hope this team is playing so I can watch them right now? Well, that's definitely changed. I mean, we're like, what, 11 games into the season. Obviously, the Suns are the most exciting team to me. I love teams that are either tragic. So like I have this very deep attachment to the wolves because I watched them the last four years, like very intimately for no reason at all, except they had a global player, Gorgie Jang. Mm. Um, but the, the Suns were one that like, it was difficult for me to watch. Obviously I watched them. This is my job, but uh, now I'm just like very happy for all of them. I think Devin Booker is transcending the um, bad team, good stats guy into someone who can actually improve a team and it's fun to watch him with Kelly Oubre The Aaron Baines renaissance is bizarre and fun and I hope it continues um so 
also I like to watch teams that change that have like significantly got better. Um, this year also I've liked watching the Celtics because I was so sad for Kemba for so long. Uh, and again, they have a lot of like guys who have the potential to, to be better. It's really sad that Gordon Hayward um, will be out again, but it's another chance to see what Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum can do. Um, especially since Tatum kind of regressed last year. And I think Kemba is actually the perfect fit for that team. Um, who else? I wish I could say the Nets. You know, I thought that coming into the year I would say the Nets, but they're a little too tragic for me to enjoy watching right now. <laughs> tragic is um, Oh, and then, then the Raptors. Um, definitely the Raptors. Oh, and also the Wolves. It's been fun to watch them again. Um, I've been very critical of Andrew Wiggins in the past, but I feel like I'm critical like a – like a, a tough teacher or something, which is funny <laughs> to call myself a teacher because <laughs> we're like basically the same age. But um, yeah, so those, I would say those were off the top of my head, those four. Yeah, I mean, I think out of all of those, the Andrew Wiggins like five game hot streak has been perhaps the most surprising thing I've seen from this NBA season so far. Especially since he's been coming up huge in his wins too. It's like he's the one hitting the ice icing game icing three. It's insane. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, and the thing is, it's like, He's done that before. I think that this year, it I don't know. It's just like his mentality seems different. I think his relationship with Ryan Saunders is a lot stronger than any than it was ever with Tom Thibodeau. And you're also seeing like slight improvements elsewhere. Like he is he is literally getting assists, which I mean, this used to be like a joke on Wolf's Twitter. It was like how many games could he go with like one assist or none? So. Um, it's nice to see. It's nice to see. It seems like he is more, I mean, I don't want to shit on him too much, but it seems like he's more involved and more dedicated, which is nice. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, he's been, he was over the summer, I mean, over the last year and a half, honestly, has been probably the biggest target of NBA Twitter as far as play to contract and all that good stuff. So it has been encouraged. It's been more fun to see him succeed yeah. and watch him fail. Me, me, like me, especially, I, I have so many Wiggins tweets that, Anyone could pull up, but I stand by them. Well, at the time, they were they were true. All right, shifting on to the last part here, which is just a little bit more lighthearted, fun, sort of less serious questions. How does that sound? Perfect. Cool. What's your favorite go-to place to eat in Los Angeles? Oh, you mean like that? <laughs> um, there's this spot by where I used to live called Electric Owl. It's very small. It used to be um, a streetcar, like, intersection, um, right where it is. It's on the corner of Sunset and Gardner, I think. Um, But it's really small. They have an excellent burger. All of their food is good. They have, like, two TVs, so you can go and watch games very casually. it's just kind of like a neighborhood spot and in LA it's not so easy to find those. And that's something I definitely miss um, from Louisville. Yeah. But the food's fantastic. The bartenders are very friendly. So I'll say on the spot, I'll, I'll say that. Okay. And then on the kind of the complete opposite end of the spectrum, as far as the city city scene goes, what's your favorite place to eat in Louisville? Oh, this is difficult because Louisville is actually 
a couple years ago was voted um, one of the best food cities by Time magazine. Um, a lot of people don't know this about Louisville, but it is cycling in and out all the time. Unfortunately, I haven't been back in, I mean, since the summer, I think. Um, but there are so many good spots there. <sighs> I'd really have to think about that. Yeah, I actually don't have an answer off the top of my head. Because I think that the, I think the one that I was my favorite is closed now, game, but I'm not sure. Actually, I'll, I'll get back to you. I'll tweet something or message you or something and get okay. back to you. Sounds that. good. It sounds good. I realized that was a tough one, but I was just curious. Um, who, who, <laughs> but it's, it's kind of good because I'm trying to show people that Louisville is a very fun and thriving and modern city. Hey, don't need to convince me. All right. So <laughs> who in your career so far, it could be while you were interning at Sports Center. I mean, sorry, interning at Sports Illustrated or whatever, while you're working at The Ringer, who's been your favorite person that you've been able to interview so far? Oh, that's interesting. Uh, I think it is Drew Holiday. I actually just did a feature on him, um, and he is very relaxed, very, like, I mean, we were talking about, like, his daughter painting his nails, but in, like, Rome like the architecture in Rome and, but also like he was very honest with me about, you know, what was going on with the team and the Anthony Davis trade and all of that. So he was extremely interesting. Another one, and this was very brief is Marcin Gortat. Um, I was doing a story on Thomas Sadaransky and the wizards lock, locker room back when it was like very toxic, um, which it seems like it's calmed down quite a bit. Um, but I this was when Gortat was with the Clippers and it was a very brief interview, but he was so blunt. <laughs> you could tell he was so fed up with um, the Wizards locker room and he, Doc was calling him to start practice and he was walking away. And I was like, I think I said, you know, is it a, a toxic locker room? And he looked back at me and he was like, Oh, I'm very sure of that. And then he like gave me a look and he turned around. So he was very, also very interesting. I wish I could have talked to him for a longer time. Yeah. Well, I guess they don't call him the Polish hammer for nothing. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, so now, you know, you've been in the industry for a little, little bit. Now you have the benefit of hindsight and all that. What's something about this job that you wish you knew back when you were just starting out? Oh, it's so funny that you're saying I'm in the industry. I still feel like I'm just, <laughs> I don't know, an intern or something. Yeah. Uh, hmm. I think just, I, you know, I was very hesitant to say opinions at first. Um, there's a lot of um, worry, like being a, a young person and then also being a woman, you don't want to be wrong. Um, and it's also kind of scary to be, disagreed with and you know I, I just wanted everyone to really respect my opinions but the thing is is like they're your opinions you have to say them or no one will, you're never distinguish yourself and they don't have to be takes you know you don't hot takes are really too much sometimes but you you know you're never going to point out something that someone else doesn't notice unless you're the person to say it first so I mean I've been with the ringer three years that's completely changed because everyone there is so supportive um so yeah I would just say being a little bit more brave but not in a way where you're being so outlandish just to get noticed um but yeah it's, it's that, that's been really nice 
for me to develop in that way. But I wish I was doing it the whole time. Yeah, very well said. And uh, finally, what's something about your job that you feel like other people don't really know or understand? Uh, I don't write the headlines. <laughs> <laughs> I wish people did. Because I'll just read the headlines and be like, why? The <laughs> I don't write them. And it's so, you know, sometimes they're so catchy. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, my, my editor is fantastic at doing them, but you know, that's <laughs> please just read the piece. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it does seem like people yeah. win on that more often than they probably should. I mean, yeah, you just see something, and I think it's easy and like it's easy to make a joke or react, but yes, that would 100% be my answer. Is I don't write the headlines. As soon as I asked, you knew. We do like that. <laughs> All right, Haley, that'll be it. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on the podcast. I really enjoyed chatting with you, and thank you for agreeing to share your journey with us. Yeah, thanks, Liam. Absolutely. And thank you, listener, for tuning in. Uh, I am Liam McEwen for the Press Pass Podcast, signing off. <laughs> <laughs>